Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Buffett, and welcome back to the 15th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 22nd, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are in this transition time like we've talked about the last couple weeks, not only with the church, but I know for me being in the northern part of the U.S. here that we're starting to feel the sense of fall coming in. I'm seeing more and more leaves changing as the year goes on, and I think it's this beautiful time of transition, transition of kids being back in school and getting that transition going. Often it's also kind of this transition, like I've talked about before, of going back into our homes, going back into spending time indoors in these northern climates as it gets cooler and cooler outside. But in these times of transition, I think it's an amazing opportunity that we often miss of being able to think about and to consider how do we want to move forward? How do we want to change things in which we are currently doing? Make those transition steps. Not necessarily looking to like the turning of a new year, but it can be a turning of a new leaf type of idea. Things that we can try to accomplish by the end of the year or setting goals. It's a beautiful time to do that. And I would argue that this week's text, I think, kind of encourages us to push toward that model, no matter how difficult this week's text may get into. But before we get into that, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, having seminary professors at Luther Seminary, and now adding Joy J. Moore to the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, I'd highly recommend it. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help bring you this podcast week after week. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I would highly recommend that you check that out. The podcast question for this week is, Where are you traveling alone and need to join together with someone or something? And as I was preparing for this podcast, I felt that it was a very appropriate one because it's something I feel that I need to talk to you guys about because I feel like I've been letting you guys down a little bit. I've been getting later and later with getting these out and it's something that I'm trying to work on. It's a lot of things going on. But I would also just recommend, if you are listening, please send some type of feedback back. It's one of the hardest things with being on this side of the mic is not understanding and hearing your responses, hearing your thought process. And I hope that we can have a discussion about that. So I think that's one for me. Continue to lean into the people that I am hearing back from that they are tuning in. Uh, I think there's a lot of other places in in my personal life where I need to continue to lean in to people who are putting in time and work and effort and be willing to ask for help. I think it's one of the things that we're raised, at least how I was raised, at times we have trouble asking for help when we really need it. And I think we need to be humble enough to be able to ask for help. We're not God And we have been shown that multiple times, so sometimes we need to be able to ask God for help. And I think that's an interesting lead-in to this week's gospel text because I will give you a forewarning. These are not easy texts this week, and the science tie-ins, no matter how much I didn't want to go down roads that are negative, it's probably going to feel that way. 
But I think it's something that we need to actually stare and look in the face of and understand and think about how does this affect us? And what are we trying to actually accomplish here in our time here on earth? So let's get into it. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples and gives this very interesting parable that I can try summarizing down, but I will state that the I feel one of the easiest lines to understand and to interpret is verse 13, but we'll get there. There's a rich man who has a manager over his land and his property. He hears that this land manager has been iffy, really probably not doing the best job, squandering it. And so this man comes to him and essentially is giving him the boot. So what does this guy do? He goes and tries to save his own skin by calling up the debtors that this man has and slashing their bill. You owe a hundred jugs of olive oil, make that 50. If you owe a hundred containers of wheat, make that 80. The land manager sees and praises this guy. And then we get these interesting questions, commentary back and forth that Jesus typically likes to ask at the end of parables. But I think verse 13 kind of sums it up the best. No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. There's a lot there. We'll definitely get into that for this week's text, but we need to continue on. The first reading is from Amos chapter 8, verses 4 through 7, and this continues along that similar vein of what we're getting in Luke's gospel. We hear how it's easy for us to trample and run over the poor, especially of land, and being able to essentially sell them into slavery, if you want to put it that way, that we're so focused on because we're in a position of wealth that we're putting something else to the side and we need to be able to consider these other people. The alternative first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 8 verses 18 through chapter 9 verse 1. And again, this has that similar type of tone that we've been hearing here that remembering and thinking about the poor calling out as we're needing to be provided for and the mourn if we're not being heard and that God will provide in that but we have to be able to see the hurt and understand the hurt and be with the hurt. This week, I feel the psalm has a very important thing that's very easy to overlook. The psalm this week is Psalm 113, and we're praising the Lord here, and we're giving thanks and praise to him. But he talks about, in verse 7, the psalmist, rising up the poor from the dust that lifts the needy from the ash heap to make him sit with princes with the princes of his people coming from verse 7 and 8 the thing that i find interesting is that in this psalm it's talking to me at least as i'm reading at this time 
that we are blessed through with never saying it through forgiveness, through understanding and seeing and appreciating and trying to work with those that we're missing, overlooking, that we're humbling ourselves enough to be able to ask God for forgiveness. And when we look at the readings in which we've had here before this, I think this is an important point, is in order to be able to move forward, we have to be able to understand that we need forgiveness and not just blatantly saying it, knowing what we need forgiveness for. And that'll be a key point in what I'm getting to with the science tie-in this week. The second reading this week is from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And this is a very interesting reading to have here and use it tentatively. And the reason that I say that is the verses that come after this, Paul continues and has been used in the past of kind of steering women away from leadership positions and especially women in the church. So if, depending on what your church's stance is on that, be careful with this reading. And especially if you're going to preach on this, make sure that you are looking at that. But he's asking for prayers of gratitude, but also that we're understanding the truth that has been given to us from this God, that he is willing to pay ransom for us if we're willing to go through confession, if we're really willing to offer ourselves up and say that for the sake of the gospel, this is what I'm able to do, and knowing that Christ will be with us through that. So where does this all bring us this week? I have thought about this text a lot this week, and there's a lot of ways that we can take it, and especially focusing in on the gospel text, because it's really the one that brings everything together. We think about the land manager of this land. We never really hear that much about him, and I think it's one of the things that, as I've kind of thought about and considered this land manager this week, I've tried coming up with a lot of excuses for this land manager. So maybe he looks like he's squandered things in the short term. He's done a lot of long-term investments and they haven't come to fruition yet. That this rich man is coming at the wrong time. That there's just been a lot of things that have just gone wrong recently and so that it looks the books look really bad or maybe he was actually taking money we really don't know but as i thought about a lot of these excuses i started to wonder if i'm just trying to make a way out for this land manager maybe it's because of how we hear this coming from jesus and how essentially this man is kind of let go coming from verse 9 and i tell you make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it's gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. Doesn't that almost sound contradictory to everything that Jesus says? Doesn't that almost feel like it's a joke that Jesus is throwing in right at the end of this? It's really easy for me to sit here and make a lot of excuses for this land manager. But as I sit here today, I think isn't this where we're at with the world in which we're in? I would argue, and I know if you've been listening to me for a while, 
that I kind of love wearing the environmental tab as close as I can to my shin. And I know there's a lot of ways where I'm not perfect by no means. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of things I can work on and I'm trying to work on. But I also think about when we're going through this, what sacrifices are we making for wealth that's maybe making it harder for us to serve God? This week, I'm going to run through an article that was published in the Washington Post this week. And I know there's divisiveness right now over sourcing like that. But let me tell you that where the data is coming from, it's coming from a good place. It's coming from the Cornell Labs of Ornithology, which is the foremost place in probably all of North America to have your bird research come from. And if you remember and were with me last summer, I made the comment when I was out birding with a longtime friend of mine that we were noticing how quiet the forest was. The data backs this up. So recently in this article, it catches your eye very, very quickly right off the top that North America has lost 3 billion, with a B, birds in the last 50 years. And as you kind of go through this article, what's really alarming about this is that means that there are nearly 30% less birds in the United States and Canada than there were in 1970. What continues to make this alarming is these aren't the specialist birds. These are the generalists. These are the birds that where you have multiple states having a bird as their state bird. Some of those are disappearing. And there's targeting especially to grassland habitats. But there's just a lot of common birds that are becoming less common. And this isn't a North America thing. This backs up research that was done in 2014 from some European studies that they were noticing 421 million birds lost in Europe over a 30-year window. Part of the reason that this is so alarming to me and why I love using birds is the what I would argue the best environmental indicator because they travel, because they move so much and they're able to go through multiple ecosystems, which makes it hard at times to be able to pinpoint the problem on what is going on. But when you're able to see over a vast span that it isn't targeting specific type of birds in particular, they were noticing grassland birds being more highly affected, but it's still over the whole scope. To me, that's a very alarming statistic. And this isn't new news. This is news that gets slipped under the radar. It gets the little blip on TV. It isn't talked about because this is old news. But yet it's still new statistics essentially supporting theories of what we already knew. You probably have seen online also this girl who isn't even in high school yet, Greta Tinberg from Sweden, who's been having these climate protests. In fact, this last week on Friday, she had another protest. And it's been, arguably has gained some momentum, some traction, much more over in Europe, sadly, than stateside. And getting people to question and to think about this place in which we have been given. 
The hard-hitting question this week, when I am looking at this text coming out of Luke's 16th chapter, is how far have we missed the mark? How far have we put wealth ahead of the creation that we were literally told in Genesis 1 and 2 to take care of? How far have we missed that mark? How far have we missed that mark putting this is good for business ahead of what we're literally told to do in Scripture? One of the things from my past is I worked for a solar company for a year on contract. And one of the things that was really frustrating with working within the solar industry is when you start talking to business people about solar energy. Because the comment that they would say is your ROI or return on investment isn't fast enough. Because typically at the time that I was working, now granted this was nearly five years ago now, a lot of return on investments sometimes were between 10 to 15 years, maybe longer. And the business knowledge that I kept getting shoved down my throat was seven was really the max. Five to seven was great. It's really what you wanted. Says who? Says who? Where did that number come from? I would love to actually, if there is a business person in the audience, where does return on investment come from on seven years? Because the question that I would have with that type of business model, that the return isn't fast enough, at what cost? What's the cost? Yes, you don't have money in your pocket, but you're making a systemic change to physically change the systems in which we have, to move forward and do something totally new. You can't tell me that building a railroad initially for one company was a return on investment within five to seven years. No, it was the idea that you were going to be able to sell it to other rail companies to use your line. That was your real moneymaker. This idea of fast money reminds me a lot of what we're looking at with this bad land manager. Because it sure looks like in some form, some fashion, he was playing fast and quick with his money. And for some reason, he at this point isn't sitting so hot, but is yet trying to squeeze the last amounts of bucks out of whatever he's got. It's frustrating. We are missing the point. We're missing, and I would argue, missing the point of what really life is all about. When we're so concerned with the bottom dollar and the bottom line and making sure everything's in the black, where is the service? Where is the service for others? Where is the service to help and to see the needs of others? Because if you're focused on the bottom line... News like birds dying isn't going to come across your radar because that doesn't fit into your bottom line. Bottom lines are only so good. They only tell so much of the story. I would argue that God and Jesus especially here is getting at is you can't just look at one particular scope. You have to be open enough to see the broader picture. Because if we're so focused on that little light beam that we have... When God flips on the lights, we might miss the whole show of what he's trying to show us. There is so much right now, I would argue, that we're missing because we're too busy to see it, myself included. Those moments where I take the time to actually slow down and stop and take the time to admire something, 
those are the times that I actually see God. Those are the moments that I feel like God's actually able to communicate with me. Those times where we're actually being able to serve God. It's something that I've wrestled with a lot as I've become a young adult is I feel the tempo that God has for me is very different than what the most of the rest of the world says to me I need to run at. And it, it stresses me out. It gets me frustrated and worn out and questioning so much with life and questioning why am I doing the things that I'm doing. And I think it comes back to this idea of trying to serve both what God is putting in front of me and what the rest of the world is telling me to do. We really don't get the resolution in this story that we probably would want either. This parable really doesn't help us feel assured that following God is the best way, which we know it is. But this land manager gets off kind of scot-free because he milked the money and he's able to then go and his reputation isn't in shambles that he can go and do something else. But I think the real question is, what is the actual cost? What is the actual cost to the rich man? What was missed? What opportunities of being able to help others through being able to use the bounty that could have been produced from the land but had been squandered? What does that look like? And to me, I look at the world outside of the human perspective And we can see this. When we look at the best master gardeners plan and try to take into consideration if different flowers don't have a good year, if different things don't have a good year, but to make sure that there's stuff blooming all the time. You go into a natural forest that has been there for an extended period of time. We're talking 50, 100 500 years, like we've talked about before, they bloom and then they fall back. They bloom and then they fall back, letting other things take the stage, letting other things be able to be that sustenance, that nutrient that different things need at that time. It lets it happen. Do we? Do we let ourselves let go enough? Do we let ourselves fall back and take the time to recuperate, to let something else shine? Do we take the time to understand the true cost of what we're doing? I would argue, myself included, the answer really is no. We don't take the time to really consider because we're in this hustle and bustle and we're told that that is what we're supposed to do. One final personal story here before we get into the Twitter question of the day. Part of where this scripture hits me hard is if you followed with me for a long time, before I was in this position that I've now been in for a year working for a church, this is the type of thing that I was wrestling with. I got released from a job, fired from a job that I wasn't happy in. I felt like I was doing it for the money. I was trying to work the 9 to 5, trying to run this rat race that I really wasn't designed to do. And the problem that I found then in the eight plus months that I found myself in to try to find my next position, I didn't want to go just because the bank account 
said so. I wanted to find something that was worth my time, something that was valuable to me, that I wasn't just chasing whatever the paycheck said. And I realized that comes off as a very entitled statement in a lot of ways it, it is. And I'm not going to say that it isn't. But I think there's a point within the world in which we're in right now. And this trickles from business to even into the sciences. Money is going where we see that the wealth is. It's not necessarily passion projects. It's like people have to go searching to get to a position to chase a passion project. We aren't letting people be possibly who God has designed them to be because we've put so many limitations on that. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on on any of these issues. We're all contributing to it. So the Twitter question this week will be twofold. One, are you being a good land manager in your life? Are you being a good land manager? Because I know for me, certain plays, yes. Certain ways, definitely no. Secondly, if given the opportunity to do anything and not worry about wealth, what would you do and why? Given the opportunity to do anything you wanted to do, anything that maybe God's calling you to do, something else, anything, what would you do and why? Follow it up with, why aren't you doing it? These are the questions that I don't think we ask ourselves enough. And it's one of the questions that when we're looking at the world in which we're in right now and the catastrophes and things that are being brought up to us right now, I think science is starting to knock on the door and push us to think about these, to consider these. And what is the root of what we're actually chasing? Is it that God is pushing us and has designed us to do this? Or are we chasing some potential goal often tied with some type of wealth or some perceived precious good that just as quickly can be gone. I hope that we take that to heart and really consider that as we move forward. Because I know for me, there's plenty of things where I need to think about that and consider it myself. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.